0: welcome to the ramp church podcast we are so honored that you've joined us today and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message if you'd like to know more about ramp church manchester or would like to partner with us in giving visit us over on our website ramp.church forward mcr or find us on social media now let's head straight into this week's message I just feel to remind somebody those three truths, this was so good. God's will is both clear and hazy. The second one that Joe gave us was your future is both up to God and up to you. And then last week we talked about community is both risky and safe. And whatever, um, we talked a lot about community um, last week, in fact, I just really encourage you guys, maybe even you who are new to the city, or you're new to trying to find a church, whatever season of life you're in, whether it's a transition season or more of like a stable, permanent season, community is part of your story, And the last time I preached, I preached on, you know, what is it to be strong and courageous and talked about these seven things that don't change no matter how much everything else is changing. There are certain parts of our life that don't change. And one of those things was our need for people. So whether you're on a sabbatical or whether you're recovering from wounds, like you still, people is still part of God's story for you. And um, I can remember when Joe and I were in When we left our home in Hamilton, Alabama, we were part of the ramp in Hamilton for 13 years. Even even our transition from Hamilton to the UK, community was still a huge part of that story. And we moved to Scotland and we knew that we were going to be in Scotland for just a short period of time, for one to two years but even in scotland community was part of our story and in fact one of the things that was so beautiful about what what the Lord did in Scotland was we we joined, you know, a, an AOG church, we joined a church while we were there, we were just attending, our life was like literally like falling apart, right, during this transition, and so we just, you know, rock up to this church trying to figure out what God wants, and I started going to a woman's Bible study that somebody I didn't know invited me to because they felt bad for me, because they knew that I had just moved and, and you know, had these little kids, and it was like a pity ask, and and. I I took her up on it. I was like, absolutely. And then I also, I took it an extra step and I started crying to her over our first coffee. It was that kind of like vulnerability over shared kind of situation. But I got plugged into this community and it was like, even though I knew I was going to be there short term, God still knew I needed people. And so I don't care if you're here for like five days or five years, whatever your story is, community is always a part of your story. And funny enough, you know, a lot of things, um, one of our words while we were in Scotland was just kind of, you know, plant seed, gather what you need, and it's a, it's a stopping place, you're going to the next place, we knew we were going to be there short term, but we have relationships that we are still in touch with. Our friends who pastor down in Birmingham, they're friends that we've had. I mean, I've known them. They're some of our longest friendships in the UK are people we met while we were just short term in Scotland. And our friendship with them has been rich and it's actually grown over time. So I'm telling you, don't underestimate what God can do in a short period of time. When we're really switched on to These things may come and go, but some of these things, these disciplines, these lifelines that we're hardwired for, they always have to have something in the pipeline. And we talked about that. Your prayer life, every season. Your word life, every season. Your fasting life, every season. Your church life, every season. Your serving and your giving, your output, every season. Sabbatical season, burnout season, whatever season. Some things just don't change. They're not meant to. And if they do, you start to feel it. And you start to feel like a, oh, something's not right. So make sure that um, you have, you know, whatever your perspective, wherever you are in transition, God knows who you need. And that's another beautiful thing that I love to remind, remind us of. Is, you know, our trust, trust in God... It gets very um, practical. When we had to leave our family and our friends in the States, it was like a coming away from that people, coming into this new season, we're still trying to keep in touch, but it's like this trust that, Lord, I can make an effort to make friends and it takes time and I'm going to do my part, my part of being a friend. But I'm also going to trust God knows who I need. And like everything else that I'm trusting his provision for, I believe that he can bring me who I need. But often we are so switched off and distracted we miss it. Right? So you can, you can really, like if you, if you see wherever you're at in transition, there are things that are not changing And it may just be a new face or a new way, but somebody, you're going to be connecting to people all throughout your life. And don't underestimate long-term fruit and long-term friendships that can come from short-term places. So, um, I want to just, hmm, because it's okay. Let's just take a little prayer right now. Lord, we thank you. Father, you know all of the things, and Father, we just ask that your presence would minister to every single person in this room. Thank you that you are here ministering, that you've led these people to this place, and that your promise is that you fill the hungry. So I thank you, Lord, for every hungry person being filled, in Jesus' name, amen. So I think then what I'm going to talk about is on the back of um, what Joe was talking about, you know, about community is both safe and risky, and, and even like how we feel about um, relationships and getting engaged with um, other humans. And I like to think of it like I wish I had, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to do this, so I didn't bring them up here, but we have, um, you know, for our kids' church, we have these big Lego blocks. Do you know what I'm talking about, like the bigger Lego blocks? And I like to think of God is building his church by building his people, but how he builds his people is he connects his people. And you think of those Lego blocks, and there's all different sizes of Lego blocks, right? There's like some that have like the six little connectors, and then there's some that have just the one connector. And I like to think of those little connector points and all the different Legos, different connectors, as people's different capacities for relationships. Let's be honest, right? Some people are like just so into hanging out with people all the time. And they're always so blessed by being in the presence of other people and then and they are like the six, like the, the large Lego base. They've got lots of co- connection points and they can like care for a lot of people. And then on the other end of the spectrum you have like the one connector Lego. And they may not have quite as much of the stamina to care for other people for whatever reason or the desire to. But they're still designed to connect with another person. So we all have different capacities. I mean, even Joe and myself, we we both love people. Everybody is meant to love people. But your capacity to love, some of us even have different starting points, right, in life, and so we're all unique in that way. Of we've got different starting points. We've, some of us are a lot, you know, a lot of inner work that we're trying to do to overcome abuse and overcome different things that make loving harder for somebody who has never experienced abuse and trauma and all of those things in relationships. But we are all meant to connect and all meant to experience God in loving each other. In connecting to someone, in experiencing God, so let's go to first John. and I'm just going to, honestly, for time's sake, I really just want to highlight a couple of phrases from First John four. verse um, I was going to read verse seven through 20, but for time's sake. I'm gonna just highlight like two or three of these phrases. So this is what I would encourage you to do. It's just, I personally, I've been, I've got my daily Bible reading plan and that's been great, but I've just randomly been in 1 John as well and that's been awesome. (laughs) And so I just encourage you if you're like, well, where do I read my Bible? What should I do for my quiet times? You know, get a a, a daily Bible reading plan. You can get them for free online. But then, like, read whatever you want to read as well. (laughs) How many of you like freedom? Don't tell me what to do. (laughs) Um, So I read my daily Bible reading plan. It helps me develop submission. And then I read whatever I want to read. And I've been reading. (laughs) I've been reading 1 John. And I feel so um, just nourished. And this is the phrase in verse 7. 1 John 4, verse 7. Dear friends... Let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. That phrase has just been so empowering to me. Because when I think about relationships, I can feel anxious and I'm like, I don't, know if I want to disappoint somebody, right, I don't want to, I know my own capacity, I know my own failures, I know my different things where it it makes me kind of feel like I just got to shrink back and like protect the world from me, (laughs) protect myself and protect the world, right, and I can feel, but when I read this, love comes from God, I feel like there's so much hope and possibility, for my story with other humans. Love comes from God. And this is what's so beautiful about the religion of Christianity is we are distinguished from other religions because we have this God of love. And all throughout 1 John, 1 John is talking about this love that's not just words but it is congruent. From words to actions, from heaven to Jesus living his life on earth, there is this congruent picture of a life of love is possible, and we're actually all called to live that life of love. And so all throughout First John, the apostle, who was the apostle of love, is saying things, okay, we claim this, but if we don't do this, we're liars, And he's like identifying all of our tendency to give lip service when it comes to relationships, but then there's a breakdown when it gets into our actions. And so when you read it, I mean just read it and then underline like every time he talks about you claim, we claim, you're a liar, they're a liar. (laughs) It's convicting, but then you read this word, love comes from God, and then he would read his definition of what love is. Verse 9 in uh, chapter 4, God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son that we might have eternal life through Him. And then I love statements like this, this is real love. Because we have such a, I don't know about you, but like I was watching um, a movie with Joe and Claire and Olivia last night and it it was a great movie, but I was like, wow, this is such a deluded view of love. Right, like let's go frolic and make love in the meadows together and it's like, this is not real love, come on. Real love is like sacrificing something. You feel it in every layer of your life kind of sacrifice. That's love. So we're so deluded about what love is that all throughout 1 John, the apostle has to say, now we know what real love is. It's not just that we claim or that we say or that we do. It's this, how do we actually treat people and who are we connected to? And the love of God and even what he says is amazing. Is He's not just the apostle of love just saying God is love and you are love, so live however you want. No, he's very clear. Those who live in God, they don't make a practice of sinning. So there's this clear, like, it's not just good intention. There's actual behavior that backs up good intention. So it's convicting. So love comes from God. That's hope-filled. Because he's talking about if you live in God, then you too can live in love. And how do you know if you live in God? And how do you know if you're of the light or of the darkness? All of that is just so beautifully throughout this book. So the next phrase I want to talk about is verse 16, chapter 4. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. This, to me, sums up Christianity. Like, or I should say this, what is a Christian? Who is a Christian? It's this verse, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. So So the Holy Spirit has revealed to us and by his grace we have seen the love of God revealed in Christ Jesus revealed in Christ Jesus, revealed by the Spirit. And this love transforms us. But it's not an immediate transformation. It's an immediate and an eternal transformation. So we see the love of God, and this is what Paul says, "You now you have lived in Christ, you are now imitating God. So trying to be a Christian without a little revelation of the spirit of how much God loves us is not going to work well for any of us. We become Pharisees. We become Sadducees. We become people who are trying to reach immorality, but we've not seen something, so we can't imitate it. So we have to see first by the spirit the love of God in Christ Jesus, and that transforms us. But it's not just a one-time glance that transforms us. This is the next phrase. Oh, I'll come back to that in a second. It's verse 17. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. This also gives me such hope. If there's, there's this one word to sum up one of God's like, top three priorities for you here on earth... I would say it's the word growth. He doesn't want you to just experience the love of God. Paul puts it this way, I pray that your love would overflow more and more. Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter, add to your faith moral excellence. Do the right thing even if you don't understand why, just do the right thing. (laughs) You're a person of faith now? Great, start doing the right thing. (laughs) But don't just stop to moral excellence. What does he say? He says, add, let me just turn there. Second Peter, he says, moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, patience, godliness, brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. So there's this trajectory of growth in God. So we're not just like, we're not just In the darkness brought into the light and then turned into like this full full capacity of loving everybody 24-7. We've got the help of the Holy Spirit, but just like every other area of of our faith, we grow in our love. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. And that talks about what Joe was saying last week about so much of it is just about consistently showing up. Just keep showing up when it's hard, when there's conflict, when you want to, you know, and that's another thing. It's like conflict. Jesus didn't, Jesus was full of love. I was reading this morning in my daily Bible reading plan about how he heals the man And he tells the man on the Sabbath, you know, pick up your mat and walk. And the man goes walking and then the Pharisees are like to this man, who healed you? And he's like, I don't know who healed him because the Pharisees are mad. And then Jesus comes across him again and he says, stop sinning or something else will happen to you worse. And the guy goes and tells the Pharisees then, oh, it was Jesus. Because because they're ticked off at Jesus. I just, that's the way I say, there's no clear like footnote about that. But I feel like in my head... He probably told the Pharisees because Jesus told him to stop sinning, and he didn't like that. <laughs> okay, so this, this God of love, this Jesus, it's like he's healing us, but he's also telling us, stop sinning. That is his love. So we live in God. Our love grows more perfect. So wherever I'm at right now, the Lord is going to continually put me in challenging situations so that my love can grow more perfect. Because another thing that it says in 1 John, the point of your life here on earth is not just to be saved, but it's to live your life as Jesus did. To live your life as Jesus did. Why? So the love of the Father can be expressed through you. So we're living in God so our love grows more perfect. Our love comes from him. And then all throughout this he's saying, how do you stay, you just doing what Jesus says in John chapter 15, you remain in his love. And one of the ways you remain in his love is by, again, going back to the Lego illustration, you stay connected to the people of God. Because you don't really know how much you love until you're around humans, (laughs) right? We're all loving when it's just us and Jesus. Okay, but it's in the presence of humans that we learn how loving we are. It's in the presence of immaturity that we learn how mature we are. It's in the presence of impatience that we learn how patient we are. So we have to have human interaction or we will be deluded Thinking that we are loving when we're Pharisees. A form without power. So, our human connection, we stay in God by staying connected to His people, staying in His Word, staying in His presence. This reveals our need for love in community. We feel overwhelmed. We want to shrink back. No, but our love comes from God. We're connected to the source. It's humans that even drive us to God's love, right? They don't just reveal, it's the human relationships that not just reveal our own inadequacy, but it's also, it's these human interactions that make us realize we better have another source than us. There's got to be another source. Come on, he never commands us to do something that's impossible. If he's commanded us to love, then it is possible. And Jesus was here on earth to show us a life that lives on earth in love. So all of us, what I want to just, I guess the whole point of everything I'm saying is this. No matter where you're at with your relationships with other people, there's more for you. There's more love. And it's not going to be the point of you interacting with people is not just so you have great friends. It's a sanctifying tool. It's to teach you how to do something. We are all having to learn how to do something that we don't know how to do yet. Love like God has loved us. Every single one of us, we're all learning how to love as he loved us. We're all on this learning trajectory together. And the challenges that we have, they're all tools to work faith, hope, love. Every situation that you're in, the toddler with the massive tantrums, the boss that is rude, the roommate that's annoying, the husband that's not listening, whatever it is, all of these are tools to produce what will remain faith, hope, and love. So I want to ask the band to come on back up, and I want to just encourage you Oh, another verse that I just, that, that verse, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. Okay, this is huge, right? Because we don't put our trust in, our trust is in God's love for us. That's the solid ground under our feet. Our ability to trust and, ex- and take risks with these human broken people like us it has to have the home base of, my trust is in his love for me. Now, Amanda, do you have that picture? Our trust, Christianity, one word, trust, we've put our trust in God's love. We've put our trust in his ability to save. So I had this picture from years ago on my, um, my daughter Olivia, when I was teaching kids' church, she did this on one of the worksheets. And for some reason, I came across this today. And I felt so touched by it. I thought, I think this may be a word for somebody here. So Amanda put this picture up. I don't know if it will be any quality, but Olivia wrote this on this little worksheet years ago. Jesus, dear person, Jesus loves you no matter what. His love will never break. And I loved that word because no matter how fragile we are, God's love is not fragile. He loves you no matter what. And that's the safest love in the universe. And that love, that love of God, it's not like all of these relationships, okay, you've got the book of Ephesians and you the first bit you're unloading paul's unloading the miraculous amazing plan of god in christ he loves us he's lavished his love on us this is how you behave and then he ends with talking about all these relationships mother and uh, parent and children and wives and husbands and slaves and masters and employees and it's like all these earthly relationships they're just little conduits little tiny taste of the love of god but all these human relationships they really don't even compare to the love that God has for us. The love between a parent and a child, it's like trying to compare an ice cube to an iceberg. It's like, it's similar, but it transcends. It transcends it. And we love, why? Because he first loved us. And if there's one revelation that we need, over and over and over again, it's the revelation of the gospel that tells us that the God of love, He has chosen us, predestined us, hardwired us, made us new so that we cannot just be people of love, but now we can receive the love of God. Come on, before Jesus, before you accept Jesus, you're like a cup turned upside down under a waterfall. People can be talking to you about it, but until the Holy Spirit turns that cup right side up, then you aren't able to receive the love of God. You can receive understanding and revelation and it'll transform you for the rest of your life. The rest of your life, being under that waterfall of the love of God fills you for every difficulty, every hardship, every relationship that's puzzling and doesn't make sense, every season. Come on, that pipeline of God's love that the Holy Spirit positioned you so now you can experience, He has set you up for success. It doesn't matter the abuse you've endured, the dysfunction you've endured, the failures that you've had. You have a new nature. Your new destiny, the way you are hardwired is to the newness to know and receive and give the love of God. Let's stand to our feet.